Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and it is March 14th. We're into the second week of the legislative session in Florida, and this week we will be welcoming Representative Anna Escamani, a Democrat from Orlando. She's a freshman lawmaker, and she is quickly becoming one of the more articulate members of the opposition party, as we will call it in the legislature talking about education issues. There always seems to be one every year, somebody who can speak out passionately about what's going on from a position that's not necessarily on the Jeb Bush voucher charter school side of the equation. In the past, it's been people like Chevron Jones. And those kinds of people seem to not stay too long on the education committees. Anna Eskamani is one of those who has landed there as a freshman and is quickly making a name for herself. So let's talk with her about her thoughts and what she's trying to accomplish. So let's just jump straight into our interview. Representative Eskamani, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for the invitation. In the past, the education committees have been in the legislature very powerful places where huge, important pieces of legislation have been taking place. And this year, a lot of the voices, especially the Democratic voices like Chevron Jones, have been removed and a lot of freshman legislators have been put in their place and you're one of them and you have quickly become a very articulate and vocal person on these issues. Did you ask to be put on this committee or was it something that just was sent your way? It's a great question. Um, I, this was not one of my committees of preference, actually. You know, I, I think many people know my background in, in healthcare. I, I worked at Planned Parenthood for about six years, um, have been an advocate for about 10 on issues that, that really impact women's lives. And of course, on the campaign trail, um, did my best to become an expert on, on every issue, including education, alongside environmental protection, um, diversify our economy. I mean, I, I try really hard to, to understand the issues that impact the lives of everyday Floridians. But at the end of the day, my preferences um, were actually on higher education because I am getting my doctorate at the University of Central Florida. So I have a lot of experience in higher ed as an adjunct professor, too. But of course, um, you know, I was placed on some some very um, uh, sometimes dry committees. And the one education committee that I serve on is pre-K to 12 quality subcommittee. And um, I, I make it a responsibility to be effective in that space because I know what's what's at risk when it comes to um, public education and the future of our state. I noticed that instantly you were pushing back against some of the things that have become our status quo, but not in such a way that you're being like confrontational. So when you're talking about term limits, for instance, which is something that a lot of the conservative groups are pushing for right now, you don't say, no, I'm, I'm totally against that. You You sort of say, they're good, but can we look at this little thing? Do you have a sort of strategy in mind? Or are you trying to do the sort of like velvet glove thing there? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that question. You know, I'm a very collaborative person, and perhaps it's also grounded in my uh, my identity as a as a millennial. You know, I'm 28 years old, so 
my entire lived experience has been one of, of collaboration, of collegiality, and really trying to put myself in someone else's shoes. Um, I have a lot of empathy <laughs> for even for my colleagues where we disagree on so much. You know, I have respect for who they are, and um, I want to honor and I understand what brings them to their conclusions. And so finding common ground is is a part of who I am. Um, I, I don't come to a space to be disruptive. I come to a space to, um, to, to, to be collaborative in the sense of um, fighting for our values, never sacrificing them, but let's see how we can integrate our values into the conversation. And term limits is a, is a great example. You know, I actually supported that, um, that bill in its first committee stop. There was a, a, we had a great conversation in the committee space. Um, and during that conversation, to be candid about it, um, there was a pro voucher school organization that waved in support of it. And that really raised my eyebrows because I wondered why, why are they in support of this? And, you know, I'm someone who is very critical about the prioritization of public education. So I knew this bill is coming to my um, uh, a second committee stop for me. So I did research and I found out that, okay, this is a little more insidious. You know, it's not about term limits. It's actually about potentially dismantling school boards to uh, then run candidates that are pro-private <laughs> voucher system. <laughs> right. And so once you understand the you know, the dynamics around the bigger picture, then I, I come back to the space, you know, with, with recommendations. And um, um, that's the democratic process. And, you know, I, I made the decision to vote down on that bill in its second committee stop. So, you know, I do my best to be very, very humble in, um, in what I know and to be very intentional in learning more and uh, uh, try to carry my colleagues, you know, in that direction. And, that, and I'll tell you, if there's a moment where I can, vote alongside my colleagues who are predominantly Republican, I'm happy to do that. You know, I think that those are fantastic opportunities to find that common ground, in particular, the debate we had on teacher certification uh, reform. You know, I, I, I really was pleased with the bill that I saw. There obviously were good, good questions and potential uh, reform, but overall, even the Florida Education Association, um, which is our teachers union, you know, uh, I really appreciated many of the reforms being made. So when we can find common ground, that's something that I, I absolutely strive for and uh, will we'll always honor. Now, I noticed that doesn't come at all costs. As you mentioned, we were talking about the Bible course bill, <laughs> and you really were interesting in the way that you approached it by sort of leading people down the path saying, you know, well, if if it really is comparative, then would you want to add something to the class to compare it to, for instance? And um, they weren't biting and you didn't cave on them. And I was wondering how you can deal with that. At one point, you even brought up this one speaker from the one of the Christian groups. I can't remember the name, the exact name of the group. Yeah, but, I think it was Florida Christian Coalition, I believe. Right. And, and you listened to him and you were very respectful. And then you said, this is your group online, right? And then you said... Why would I listen to you? You're so hateful online. So it was. It, how do you yeah. balance those things out? Well, I, I have to tell you too that that was quite organic. I mean, I, I didn't walk into the space planning to do that, but I, I think it's important that if someone's going to be speaking to us about uh, objectivity and speak to us about um, how this bill, you know, is uh, is neutral, <laughs> and the, then I have to ask the question: What is your credibility to stand before this body and say that? So I quickly just googled his organization to get a better idea of um, who they are and what they stand for. And, and sure enough, you know, there was a tab titled "Homosexual Agenda," and I don't find that language to be neutral whatsoever. Um, so I, you know, I, I felt that question need to be asked. Of course, the 
you know, the chairman um, uh, stopped me in the sense that the, the my, my, you know, from his perspective, my intent was not privy to the bill. So I was happy to rephrase my question. Um, but, you know, this is this process is also about accountability. And 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 and, and if you're going to come from a place of objectivity, then you're going to be held accountable to that. And anyone who comes before me in any committee should expect um, that same type of scrutiny. And honestly, doesn't matter what organization you are with. I mean, if there's a concern, you know, whether you're quote left, quote right, conservative, liberal, you know, you need to be prepared to answer any question that comes from uh, myself or, or, or my colleagues. And to that point, you know, this bill was sponsored um, by a Democrat. And um, I, I'm not shy to challenging members of my own party on, on you know, where they stand and, uh, you know, what is the um, constitutionality of their bills, because this this is supposed to be a body that um, uh, honors the Florida Constitution and also embraces diversity of ideas and um, is willing to debate them when they come before us, too. Well, you talk a lot about these different issues, and some of them you can influence, but some of them seem like your committees were almost set up to just push forward to the floor. And one of them seems to be this voucher push that the governor has asked for that's coming out of leadership on the Republican side. Do you see any way that you can influence that discussion without um, just making yourself sound like you're out there and not going to be part of what they want to do? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, I, I build bridges when we can, and I hold people accountable when I must. And that's on every issue. Um, when it comes to the expansion of the for-profit voucher system, um, that, that that really is a non-negotiable for 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 me and our district. You know, our district is 47. We're in the heart of Orlando, Winter Park, Belle Isle. We are very proud of our public schools. We also do have some phenomenal uh, uh, mom and pop charter schools, and they do amazing work. I've I've taken tours. You know, I've I've um, I visited our community partnership schools. You know, I, I, I want people to know that I absolutely support school choice. That also means supporting the parents, like my parents, who chose public education. They should not be left behind. And as we continue to create these um, revenue sources that pull money away from general revenue and put it towards, you know, these uh, oftentimes um, – uh, unaccountable for-profit uh, quote schools. I mean, I I find that to be problematic, especially when you have legislators that receive political contributions from them. <laughs> I mean, this whole system is um, is something that we, we definitely need to be really um, uh, suspicious of. You know, what is the intent when we see the expansion of these programs? Is it to better the learning environments? Well, you know, we we use rhetoric around competitive advantage and yet we intentionally create an environment where public schools can't even compete because not only are they held to different standards but they don't have the flexibility to experiment and i know as a graduate of orange county public schools i remember seeing my teachers leave the field to go out of education or go to private schools go into um higher ed, go into mentoring because, um, and tutoring because they, they, they couldn't be themselves. They couldn't get creative with curriculum because they were so structured and, you know, put into a box. Um, so, so I'm going to always be bold on these points. And it, the reality is that if that creates an environment that does become contentious, like I will always do my part to lead with grit and grace when it comes to being in the debate space. But, um, you know, our, our, our parents, our students, our teachers, um, they need an advocate, and, and that's what I was elected to do. And um, I also respond 
really positively to constituent feedback and not to go back to the tournament story real quick, but, you know, during the debate on its second committee stop, I even read um, an email from a constituent who had urged me to change my vote from the last committee to the next one. And again, I, I, I honor that. I, I want, I want folks back home to know that we're listening to you. We, we were, we pick up your phone calls. We are engaging you in the process. Even if you're not physically in Tallahassee, know that through me, you are. Um, and, and we will um, see what our district says, you know, when it comes to some of these battles, but I'll do what my part to always operate on the values that I was elected to do. And, and part of that is fighting, fighting and protecting public education. I noticed that you had filed a bill with Senator Cruz relating to school safety issues. And I'm not talking about like people with guns. I'm talking yeah. about um, the actual built schools. Can you talk a little bit Got about it. what you're trying to do there? Would love to. I mean, uh, I, I really also appreciate the mention of, of school safety as a whole because I think most listeners know that I, 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 I oppose arming teachers and I've spoken on that subject more than once. I'm happy to talk more about it, but our bill actually speaks more to the structure of, of school buildings. Um, we know that as a state that is prone to um, weather uh, really extreme weather situations like hurricanes. We know that um, when it comes to accountability, there is no accountability uh, even on curriculum, but what's even more frustrating on the accountability of comparing our for-profit charter, uh, pro, pro, for, uh, sorry, for-profit voucher schools compared to public education, there's no accountability on curriculum comparing between the two. There's also no accountability on the structure of the building. And so, you know, it costs a lot of money for our schools and our school districts to build um, uh, infrastructure and, uh, that is structurally sound, that is safe for students to be in, um, that meets the standards set by the state of Florida and, and outlined by the Florida Building Commission. And so um, that's already another example of, a competitive advantage, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> of, of our for-profit voucher schools compared to our public schools. So not only do we want to make sure that our kids are safe, but, you know, if you're, if we're going to expand the voucher system, which the rhetoric right now is leaning that direction, um, then let's make sure that our students are in a safe building, a building that meets the same safety standards as our public schools, a building that can be used as a hurricane emergency site um, for some of our more rural areas or coastal communities. So, you know, I want to make sure that as, you know, if, if we're going to go on this path of expansion, whether people like me like it or not, um, then let's also talk about this, the structural importance of buildings where our kids are learning. And even southern states like Alabama, you know, have these um, laws in place that have a, um, a requirement of building code when it comes to no matter what type of school it is. And so that's what our that's what our bill does. And, um, you know, I I I, I, I want to do my part to. You know, at the very least, you mentioned earlier, it's not about being combative. It's really about, you know, let's just, let's try to find common ground on different issues around the educational system. And I think that um, all of my colleagues want our kids to be safe in their buildings, you know, and whether the conversation is around um, the potential of an active shooter or just the desire of a building to be structurally sound. You know, those are areas that I, I like to think we can find common ground on. I know that there was another bill that did the opposite, basically scaled back the requirements for the public schools. <laughs> would you think that that would be an equally valid response? Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I did not see that bill get filed, but good to know. <laughs> I mean, again, I think that's what's so frustrating about this legislature. And I, I always use the metaphor um, 
about uh, to describe how we approach public education of, I use the metaphor of broken dishes. And what I mean by that is um, sometimes I, you, know, you can look at our public education system as, as a dish and, you know, it's a, it's a plate, it's a, it's a nice plate. It's maybe if we, we, you know, invest a little bit more and we can improve upon it, but the dish works. Like it's, it's, you know, getting some, it's really good outcomes here, but it, instead of improving upon this plate, we actually intentionally break it and we point at it and say, Oh, it's broken. Let's go buy new dishes. Let's go buy new plates. And, and that's, you know, a metaphor to describe our sabotage of public education as a state so that we can then privatize it and, you know, basically eliminate public education and put into place um, a for-profit system. And, and I, 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 it used to be a subtle effort to privatize public education. And I, and I feel like the last three to four years has become really, really um, obvious. And, and we saw that, you know, in today's debate around the expansion of voucher, the voucher system, we see that with our governor's rhetoric around it too. And we need to be on guard. You know, advocates for public education need to be on guard. And, and again, if, if, if we can't stop the scholarship program from being expanded, and again, as, as speaking on, on, on behalf of myself, you know, I'll fight hard to, to do my best to make sure that no more resources are taken away from our public school system and that we hold charter schools accountable to the same standards of public schools. But if you can't stop that train, then at the very least, let's try to create a measurement of accountability and let's try to create a more equal playing field so public schools can actually compete. You know, I think, again, that's so frustrating to me is you hear this rhetoric about, um, you know, small government, this rhetoric around experimentation, around competition, you know, competition's good. And yet you tie the hands of public education where where some of the best teachers in the field, not only can they not compete because they, they're so strict to what they can teach, but you're also paying them paying them some of the worst salaries in the country. You know, Florida actually went down a state. A report came out today that Florida ranks 46 out of 50 on teacher salary. And it's that, that is one reason why we're seeing the exodus of public teacher, of, of public education teachers. And if that's not addressed, you know, if we keep using bonuses to band-aid, um, our public education system, then we are going to keep losing good teachers, which again, is going to create an environment where our public schools are going to struggle to succeed. Well, let me ask you this. This will be my last question because I could talk to you for an hour, but um, <laughs> we try to keep these things to 20 minutes. So um, the people who are on your side, the public who yeah. send their kids to public schools and who yeah. want to see things continue in a positive vein seem to get their voices drowned out by the people who drive up to Tallahassee to rally in support of these voucher and scholarship programs. Is there yeah. any advice you have to them? I mean, you've been in the legislature, what, a whole couple of weeks now? And yeah. so I was wondering if you can tell what might capture someone's attention, what they should or shouldn't do, or if it's just something that, this, like you said, the train has left the station. That's such a great question. And, you know, I come from a background of advocacy and of organizing. So this is kind of like, you know, my, my bread and butter. And um, I encourage everyone, no matter what your capacity is, to, to, to exercise your 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 perspective in this process. And there's a few key ways you can do it. I mean, 
obviously coming to Tallahassee is one of the best ways. So we know that especially for working class families, families like my own, the idea of coming to Tallahassee is out of the question. You can't take time off work. You, you can't um, find daycare for your kids. I mean, that, that's so difficult to do. And so ensuring that you are calling your legislators, tweeting at them, emailing them, sharing personal stories, meeting them in the district, meeting their staff in the district at the very least, doing whatever you can to make sure that your perspective is shared and and tracking bills, which again is accessible through myfloridahouse.gov and flsenate.gov. You can actually track these bills, no cost to you, and and see where they go and and really make sure that you're targeted in who you're talking to. I mean, of course, you know, keep in touch with your local legislator, but I encourage everyone who's listening, you can absolutely contact the chairs of these education committees. These are the leaders who make a decision on what bill gets heard and what bill doesn't get heard. And so ensuring that that they hear from you. And, and if you have a personal story as an educator, as a parent, or as a student, um, to make sure that that personal story is shared. You know, when I look at some of our past Republican colleagues who have moved on the issue of education, it has always been individuals who have a unique connection to public education. I mean, Representative Tom Goodson, I know in the past, you know, he's, he has turned out, but he is a Brevard Republican who has voted in support of public education, and his wife was a school teacher. Um, Representative Renee Placencia right now, he is a Republican also from Brevard in East Orange County, and he has in the past supported public education issues. He actually spoke in support of unions in one of our committee meetings, sharing his, his perspective as a as a rep for his teacher's union. And so, you know, it's those personal connections that can really help um, help inspire a lawmaker who might be inclined to vote one way to vote the other. And so I really encourage folks that are advocates, uh, you know, for public education to just don't don't feel deflated, feel inspired to make those phone calls, send those tweets and, and be engaged in the process. I want to point out that Coach P, who you just mentioned, was one of those Republicans who we would call and talk to about issues, and he was one of those who was removed from the education committees after speaking he out was. on some, some of the things that you said. So that's why we yes. get to talk to you now, because they've opened up a bunch of new seats, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk with you. I hope we can do it again soon. Always. Yeah, I'm um, readily available and you know honored to, to do the people's work and um Oh, love, love, love to, to talk about our efforts to protect public education in Florida. That's the end of our interview and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to comment on what you just heard, please go to our Facebook page where we will have this podcast posted and you can write your thoughts right underneath. If you want to keep up on the latest in Florida education news, go to our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. We always appreciate your thoughts on this podcast and any ideas you have for who to speak to. I want to thank everybody who's given me some ideas for future content. Please review on iTunes if you'd like to. Share with as many people as you can. We appreciate everything you do, and we'd love to hear from you. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.